Well, firstly, uh, a belated Happy New Year to uh, everybody. And uh, today we're embarking on uh, an eight-week mini-series exploring some of the dominant and major themes in the book of Proverbs. In my opinion, it's a much neglected book and uh, you don't hear many sermons or series on it these days. Paul, of course, regarded the word of God as God-breathed and he said to Timothy, every part of scripture is God-breathed and useful one way or another, showing us truth, exposing our rebellion, correcting our mistakes, training us to live God's way through the word. We are put together and shaped up for the task God has for us. Personally, I've been quite impacted over my 60 years as a Christian through the book of Proverbs and its practical teaching and implications for my life and the Christian walk. It's coloured my judgments and thinking quite significantly. And today I'm going to give you a two-tier sermon. I'm firstly going to explore the background to Proverbs and then having uh, done that, I'm going to just give what I believe is a, a word for 2021 from this book of Proverbs. The Old Testament consists of three sections, the law, the prophets and the writings. And including within the writings are the five, what are known as wisdom books, Job, Psalms, Ecclesiastes, Song of Songs and Proverbs. <clears throat> In the Old Testament, the prophets and the priests primarily dealt with the religious life of Israel. And the wise men were called upon to give advice and counsel about the more philosophical aspects of life. Now they emphasised that the world was designed for wisdom. And therefore, those who followed wisdom would discover the world was made for them. Proverbs is ascribed to Solomon and a number of wise men. In fact, there are, uh, on some occasions, even uh, some suggestions that the uh, sayings and oracles started or came from women. So it's not a sexist book in that situation. And we're going to look at a, uh, a proverb later on today where a wise mother spoke to a future king about what he should do and his conduct. Proverbs is all about guidance for living. They're more, these proverbs, than the short, pithy phrases that we consider proverbs in our English usage of the word. My mother was full of proverbs. More haste, less speed, my boy, she would say to me as I rushed out on my bike or to school late or to football. Another favourite one of hers was the early bird, early to bed and early to rise, make a man healthy, wealthy and wise. But the Hebrew word mashal, which is translated proverb, oracle or proverb, 
has a wider range of meaning than we use it in the English language. It's regarded as an authoritative word, and I think that's the key here. This is more than just a nice byword, a nice, good, wise word. It is an authoritative statement for living. And the beginning of Proverbs tells us the purpose of why God has given us these pro Proverbs. It says it's written down so we will know how to live well and right, to understand what life means and where it is going. A manual for living. And that's why I've headed up this series, Wisdom for Life. It's a manual for living. I read this statement uh, in preparation. The handbook of instruction in God's workshop. And when people despise wisdom, they blot the copybook of life. My first car, and some of you will smile wryly when you hear me talking about it, was a yellow Ford Anglia. Lovely car. Pam and I were very attached to it. And I was very fortunate. My next door neighbour was a mechanic. And he said to me when I bought my first car, he said, I'll maintain that car for you, but you do need to get a workshop manual. So I went down to the Ford dealers and got a Ford workshop manual for my Ford Anglia. You see, if you're going to look after anything, if you're going to live wisely, you need to live by the master's manual. And Proverbs is very practical. It's all about conduct. It's about life, attitudes. It's about direction. It's about behavior and responsibility. It's about wisdom for living. <clears throat> and how we should interact and how we should react and how we should conduct ourselves in various circumstances. Many people know how to make a living, but don't know how to live. They know everything about life, except how to live it. Somebody has said, knowledge, knowledge is horizontal, wisdom is vertical, it comes down from above. I've met a lot of people who have a great deal of knowledge. Some very bright, some very clever, and some very, very knowledgeable people. I worked in one environment where everybody who attended and I worked with had PhDs, and I felt quite inadequate. But do you know, with much of them and all the knowledge many of them had, they did lack a degree of wisdom. And many of them had a lot of life problems because they hadn't applied the knowledge to wisdom. And the difference between knowledge and wisdom is this. Knowledge is the capacity to comprehend and retain what we're taught. Wisdom is the ability to put that knowledge to best effect. And I want to encourage you to look into this book 
of Proverbs because the more we understand the book and apply its truths and principles, the more effective will be our living. Let's just turn for a few minutes to the first nine chapters of uh, Proverbs because there's very interesting uh, <coughs> two uh, people, in fact they are women uh, that are uh, identified in this section a great deal. Lady Wisdom and Lady Folly. And each attempts to persuade people to follow her ways. The fact that they are women is what we call personification. It's a poetic uh, and literary device to emphasize uh, and to make more power and punch to points. It's not a sexist comment at all. We use personification when natural laws are referred to as mother nature. The purpose of this is to make the readers vividly aware that over and against the fatal attraction of folly, wisdom brings security and contentment. Wisdom is good for us. It is what our personalities were designed for by God. Listen to this. Whoever listens to me, that's wisdom, will live in safety and be at ease without fear of harm. Whoever listens to me, wisdom, will live in safety and be at ease without fear of harm. For she, wisdom, is more profitable than silver and yields better returns than gold. So we're encouraged to follow wisdom and to avoid folly. And then again in Proverbs chapter 9, there is a, a very key and a very critical statement that we are going to pursue over the next few weeks. It tells us that wisdom is like a house built on seven pillars. Wisdom has built her house, it says. She has hewn out its seven, and it says in the message, supporting pillars. Now, it doesn't specify specifically or categorically what these seven pillars are, but I'm suggesting that there are around seven dominant major themes and principles that are evident and stand out in Proverbs. And we're going to be examining, the, examining these over the next seven Sundays, one each week. And they are as follows. The fear of the Lord. Trust the Lord. Integrity. Generosity. Diligence. Care with words and the concluding one of relationships and friendship. And all being well, I'll round off with that particular proverb. A well-known Christian writer tells how his pastor, when he became a Christian, told him to do the following. He says, I want you to steal, to drink, to lie, and to swear. 
The young fellow looked at his pastor with astonishment. And the pastor said, let me explain. I want you to steal time daily to read something from Proverbs. I want you to drink from its clear, refreshing waters. I want you to lie on your bed and meditate on its great themes and swear by the grace of God to practice its wonderful principles. So that's the invitation to join us on this journey. And I trust that you will spend time going deeper into the passages and into Proverbs. And that it will stimulate you in your walk with God, in your decision-making, in your listening to God, in your conduct, in your behaviour. And I pray that for all of us, it will result in a much deeper knowledge of God, of his ways, and of walking with God. I believe the more we soak in the word of God, the more impact it will have on our lives, individually and together. The pastor that married Pam and I, once a year at the family meeting when they went through the annual budgets, etc., would stand up and everybody knew what he was going to do. He would say, I want to thank the congregation and the leadership of the church for paying me to study God's word. For that privilege, I want to thank you. And it is, it's a privilege to spend time in God's word. I want to encourage us all to do that more and more in this new year. In conclusion, I would like to share with you a proverb for 2021, one which I believe God laid on my heart some weeks ago. And I just would like to share it with you today. I would like to send you away with, if you like, a word for this season. I want you to picture the scene. There is a mother talking to a future king about what he should do. And she's giving him advice. And uh, that's where I said, you can see the female influence in some of the Proverbs. The son took this advice, wrote it down, and it's recorded in Proverbs, King Lemuel. She told him, don't become a playboy. And she actually talks about avoid the beer and wine, which is quite amusing. And she tells him to do the following. She says, speak for the people who have no voice, for the rights of all, the down and outers. Speak out for justice. Stand up for the poor and destitute. That was the advice she gave him. And it says in chapter 29, the righteous care about justice for the poor. Chapter 19, he who is kind to the poor lends to the Lord. It is my opinion and belief that 2021, for many, many people in our families, in our community, and in our church, it's going to be a massively challenging year. 
because as a consequence of the pandemic, many people are for the first time going to face poverty and in some cases destitution. We are going to see something that many of us have not seen probably since the war, high unemployment, people in really serious debt situations and people not being able to pay their way. And I believe that God wants us individually in a church and as life groups to be aware of this, sensitive to it and to reach out to these people. The demand could be massive. We need to be aware and prepared. And I just want to suggest that we become, in our families, in our life groups, and in our church, hubs of hope and mercy. This morning, as I just looked over these notes in preparation for recording, my daily reading and my daily notes were about the subject of God's mercy. I'd like to just finish by sharing with you something that I was sent by uh, somebody as the Christmas presentation that was made at a particular church. It doesn't seem particularly Christmassy. There's no mention of angels or shepherds or babes in a manger. But it is, I believe, very timely, topical and profound. It's headed hope can be found. Where the life has been kind until crisis arrived, bringing chaos that's new, an unfamiliar experience for you, plunging you into poverty for the first time, whether life has been wave after wave, a relentless pounding down, pinning you to the ground, hope can be found. When there's no money left and your heart feels bereft from mistakes you have made, if your fridge is empty and your cupboard is bare, when the bills come in red and the knock at the door causes despair, Hope can be found. When life feels dark, when the pressure is on, when your heart aches and it's storm after storm, in this space, this safe place, where the walls can surround with a mercy and grace, more than food, more than coaching, more than counsel, whoever you are, come. Hope can be found. Let us in 2021 declare the message in our homes, in our life groups, in our church, that hope can be found.